Episode 5 of At Home with Dylan Rogers and a pretty inspirational story. Bongi Nsomi is the national netball captain and has reached the top of her sport despite fairly humble beginnings. That included growing up as the fifth of eight children in the town of Hammersdale near Durban. So what was that like? My life history or how I grew up, uh, to most people might sound like it was hard. And if I can be honest uh, with you, I never thought it was hard until I, until I realised of uh, the fact that how much is out there, how much you can get, how much of a, a different life is there for people. Um, I, and, and that happened obviously at a very late stage because I started playing netball really late. So growing up um, in my head, all I knew was we were, you know, well worth off at home. We had everything we needed to have. I would always um, eat before I sleep. As much as now, I know exactly that some of the things that happened or that was happening, uh, probably a lot, of, a lot more could have been better. But if I can give you a brief, obviously there's eight of us um, at home, and I know my mom used to work as a tailor, they call it. And if I remember correctly, she used to end like three trains on a Friday. And with eight kids, um, you will think, what exactly would you do with that bunny? Um, obviously, she did manage. I don't know how. Um, my dad used to work at a company called Spinlon. I know they used to do, um, obviously, trying to think back, it had something to do with making cotton. And um, after a while, obviously, um, I don't know what happened. If the company was closed or whatsoever, he had to stop working looked for a different job. He did more or less the same as what my mom was doing. Um, but we still we still had food on the table every time, every night. Um, I could still obviously afford to go to school. Um, and it, it, like I said, it all felt to me that it was what I needed. By then, um, my family wasn't sporty at all. We grew up, where, when I grew up, we were very, our family was very like, cultural involved. We would do a lot of um, they just say Zulu ceremonies in trying to respect the, you know, our ancestors, people who passed. Um, besides that, I know my dad used to have like a group of people that would do Zulu dance. He used to lead that. He was very respected as well in our community. Um, and I remember correctly when, she, when he was at home um, a few times that it worked during the day. Everyone, no, none of my friends would want to be at home because, including me, we were very scared of him. So, um it was quite awkward to have dad at home and every time he was there we'll try and make sure that it is quiet as it, as it could be because he used to work uh, night shifts so if he's at home during the day obviously he'll be sleeping and no one should make noise so i think um i've been in that life very strict family um i know there was a lot of restrictions in terms of if i look at it now uh, relationship wise my sisters will get into a lot of troubles in, in terms of having a boyfriend, if you have a baby, things like that, it was quite hectic. Um, growing up, I would never um, used to wear pants at home because it was obviously one of the strict rules that we would never be able to wear pants as a female until I started playing netball. And I remember the first time my dad saw me wearing shorts. He literally followed me into my room and he was like, you have to take that off. And he asked why am I wearing shorts? Um, at home and I, I told him I just came back from training and I'll change and he said I don't want to see it again so it was he was quite clear with what he wanted and what he expected from us and like I knew exactly um this wasn't the home rules but there were certain things that I wouldn't do at home and I would know I'll get into trouble if I did those things 
there's a couple of things I can talk about about Ebongi growing up and um, how everything went up until now, being a netball player, a spot producer, captain, and all that. But I always say it's been pretty amazing to look back and to see how far I've come. And I wouldn't ask for any better or anything different because I don't think I'll be here if if it was different. Bongi, give us a sense of uh, the influence of your Zulu culture growing up. Um, is it something you, you continue to practice today? The fact that I still do feel like uh, people might oppose this, but as a Zulu myself, I feel like there's a lot of sense of respect. And I think if I can ask for anything uh, from the girls I coach now, the first thing I talk about is respect. That if you have respect of yourself, firstly, of people around you, um, obviously of the elderly people, even if you have your opinions, you've, you have a way of trying to express how you feel and you always have a way of talking to people in a way that they can feel that you are very respectful instead of just being um, rude and all of that. Um, but I can say there's quite a few harsh um, things that obviously opinion-based I wouldn't have, if I would have to have kids, my kids will wear pants because if I, I think of it, I, I do feel more secured and more safe in pants than wearing skirts. Uh, but again, that's just a bonky. And I know if uh, probably people from really cultural backgrounds, if they were to hear this, they'll probably oppose it. But if I can be honest, for me, um, my kids will wear pants. And that's probably where we differ. Again, um, if I think of how everything was done back home, um, I am who I am now because of their learnings, their teachings. But I do think I could do probably close to what they were doing, just in a different way. Now, you lost your father at, at quite an early age, Bongi. Um, what impact did that have on, on you and perhaps an impact it has on you now later in your professional life? My dad was very strict. Um, I never really got to be as close with him. If he was at home, it was like dad is at home, but nothing really, uh, not really much uh, connection. I just knew that at home he was very, you know, supportive and we all had so much respect for him. Um, and when he passed on, obviously he wasn't living with us at that time. He had um, he had another wife, um, so he was living with uh, the second wife by the time he passed on. So at that time, I had already started playing netball, and I would see him on the street, obviously, and it would ch- I think at first it was a bit awkward because when he wasn't at home, I started wearing pants because my mom was easy with that. He was okay with it. Then I will see him on the road, and he'd be like, oh, now you wear pants and things like that. Then he would start having conversation. At first, it was a bit tough, but then he eventually got used to it because it was, I think it was just what was going to happen anyway. Um but then in saying this, I think we got more closer when he wasn't at home. Um, and not even much close because a week or two weeks will pass without me say, seeing him or talking to him. So when he passed on, um, it was more like, and I think I was quite young. I, I can't even remember if I, you know, how, how really it felt. I can I can literally try and understand, um, obviously using this time now that I'm an adult and I want to have dad, you know, seeing everything I've done, you know, the things I achieve. And, you know, if, if you speak to friends and they'll start talking about their dads, then it, it hits you that you probably obviously don't have your dad. But honestly, I don't really know how it felt back then. Um, 
then I think at this point, probably the most disappointing thing is to look at everything and just know that I would have wanted him to see all of this. And especially in times where I think I also feel like I've done well and my mom is proud, then I'm like, maybe if he was there, if he was here as well to see it, it would be good. I'm a little bit emotional now, so you probably got me on this one. <laughs> no, absolutely. I think I think it's perfectly understandable, Bongi, and I think it's... I think it must be perfectly natural to be emotional about that. And I think there's no doubt he would be proud to see his daughter as the, as, as the captain of the national netball team. I know. I wouldn't even, even thought it would get to that point. But in saying this, really, I have a wonderful coach. My first netball coach is Emil, and he used to be my high school teacher. He taught me student school. It's been fantastic. I think if there was a father figure person that I always look up to and that I always want to, you know, not to disappoint in whatever I'm doing, I'll always be open to him about everything I'm doing. He actually knows in ins and outs and he's very supportive up until now. Um, it was my, obviously him, Sembiso um, Mwabe. And um, I think probably him, having him on my side as well, might have closed that gap at an early age and I'm very appreciative of that. But yeah, I guess everyone wants to have both parents, so I'm quite unfortunate at that. But um, I think it also did um, me sort of, it's not a favour, but it made me realise that if not mom supporting what I'm doing, I'm by myself. And because of that, I actually need to like literally know what I'm doing, have reasons and think of things, not just do, and really just want to be a better person. And I think sometimes it does help to go through those things because you see life differently. And I think I really did. Absolutely. And made you stronger. I, I can only imagine. I mean, you you say you've got your mom and I saw a very passionate Mother's Day message from you on social media. Um, are you Obviously, you've got seven siblings as well. Are you in touch with all of them as well on a constant basis? Oh, definitely. We, we're quite awkward, actually. We don't really talk that much. I wouldn't speak with my sisters and brothers um, every day, but every time we talk, it's like there's, there's lots of stories that we have to, I have to listen to, they have to listen to my stories. And I think the fact that we've kept it that, that way, it makes us really miss and value each other's opinion. So I quite like that. But uh, for me, family is very important. In whatever I do, um, doesn't matter what happens at home, when I get there, um, I really have to enjoy my space and they have to be happy. I have to be happy. Um, obviously, there's quite a lot of us. There'll be always, um, you know, those misunderstandings. And I'm probably mostly in the front line trying to, you know, control or monitor everything and try to keep things calm. But it's, um, I have a fantastic family. We're quite different. Um, everyone does their own thing in a, you know, different way. And that's what I like. And whenever I'm there, I can always, I always feel the sense of being home. And I love that. Um, to me, going home or being with my family is probably something that happens, I think, once, twice in a year. It's been better now that I came back um, from England and I said no to playing any international club um, leagues. Um, I think it gives me more time to go home and then come back, obviously, to draw back for work. But other than that... Um, Home to me is my space of really just being myself and getting excited to be with everyone because it's something that I never really have or do. So, Bongi, if I had to ask you, who's Bongi Msomi away from the netball court? How would you describe that person? It's very hard to do that. I've heard that question a few times. <laughs> I think um, 
you know, being a netball player from when I started up until now, it's really hard to have a different life that doesn't involve netball. And I know I shouldn't be saying this, and it's wrong probably to say this, but um, if I can tell you this, in, in, in days where I know I don't have netball, I still do keep in touch with my trainings. I need, I'm constantly thinking I need to still keep fit. I need to be, you know, should should anything happen? Should I need to be on court and perform? I need to be ready for that. My recovery times, um, or let's say off seasons, are very hard because I don't really know what to do at that time. So let's break down some of the off court stuff because uh, you can't train twenty four seven the whole time on uh, and spend all your time no. on netball. So, so, so what about what about your 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 guilty viewing pleasure? What do you watch on TV or online? We're constantly, obviously, now at home, and there's some um, what I can say is, is it soapies soaps on TV. There's some movies that the girls will want to catch up on. Trust me, it's still a struggle. I will sit for 10 minutes, and that's long. But now they're shaking their heads because <laughs> they know it is true. They're like, come on. I can't sit still and just, you know, focus on just watching a movie all the time. If I do that, it's like an achievement on the day because at least I did that. I've been good in trying to cook. I won't tell you what I've cooked, you would love. But um, that's something also that I wouldn't, I won't say I would never do, but I don't have time to do. And I also have time obviously now to just wake up and I love waking up and then knowing I've done my trainings, then whatever happens on the day, I won't feel guilty of not, you know, training. So now when I wake up, the first thing I think of is to make sure the house is clean, you know, like we've done the proper simple stuff before I even get to my trainings because after that, then I'm probably tired, then I want to do work. Um, but it's constantly between work, um, obviously cleaning the house, making something new food um watching tv when i can there's been a couple of netballings on tv which is <laughs> quite exciting that i can watch for i don't know the whole day um which is quite boring in this house they don't like that but anyway i think again listening to this you probably know that my life is quite boring <laughs> i do though uh, before i think before lockdown did a couple of things because this year is the first year I've been obviously here at home and not having to travel and stay overseas for say six plus months. So I've been, you know, doing things like going out and playing bowling, watching movies, um, and all of that is probably what I would would have missed if I wasn't at home. So uh, let's get onto the subject of music now, Bongi, and let's look at the the national the spas women's uh, national netball team. Who has the best taste of music in the squad and who has the worst? <laughs> that's, um, that's quite awkward. But I can, <laughs> tell you exactly, I can tell you exactly who would want to play music for all of us. Siggy Vega, I don't know if you know her. I think uh, that child is just, if there's someone who doesn't have any dull moments, I've heard about that and I've thought, there's nothing like that. Someone has to have, you know, days where you just feel like, okay, I'm over this. I don't want to do anything. I'm tired. But Ziggy doesn't have that time. So every time to her, it's about we have to have music. We have to play, you know, even when we're training, if we can have music on the background. Um, she's happy to compile whatever at least. Obviously, with a couple of girls, I think Shadine as well will probably um, help in putting in some playlists that we can use. 
for me, that's probably the list of my worries. Whatever that's there that they're playing, I'm happy with that. But I know Ziggy will be, you know, in control of all those kind of things. Dance moves, a little bit of singing. Like she's got everything. I think with her, you're never bored. Now, tell me, Bongi, what's it like being the captain of a netball team in a sport in South Africa that historically was a largely Afrikaans-dominated sport? You're obviously now a, a, a black woman captaining a sport that historically was dominated by a certain segment of, of South Africa. How has that dynamic played out and how have you handled that? Now that I'm the Spark Coaches captain, I think at first when I heard about it, um, straight away in my mind I was like, no ways, um, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I, sh- I have to find a way of saying no to this. Um, it didn't take me so much to just pull myself in and, and you know just to think of this is probably one of the biggest thing in my netball career that could happen um and the fact that i knew what it takes to sit at the top even if you don't do the work the eyes are always watching you and it's not even about the eyes watching you it's about what you expect now out of yourself now that you have to move the side but uh, knowing exactly that we're very diverse in the team, lots of misunderstandings as it will happen. Um, you know, I'm, in my head, I knew exactly that we have to firstly accept that we're different. And after accepting that, we really have to, you know, to adapt to what we need to do to make the team, you know, work. The minor things um, for me does matter. And I think with all of that um, together, it literally made me understand that before I do anything else, the team needs to be united. Do you think uh, netball has sufficiently transformed in the country? Um, I think it still can be better. Um, in the space of the 12 players in our country, the spark players, understanding um, each other, you know, getting along really well, doesn't mean the whole netball family in the country is like that. And, and to me... Um, Probably, you know, in the grassroots level, that's where we still need to, you know, put in that understanding that it can be a competition to be in the team with someone, but being a team and really getting along and making things work is what really works. We, we do speak about transformation and we want, obviously, uh, a balanced netball life where we could have as many black uh, netball players playing, as many white netball players playing, and it all balanced. Um, I do think, though, uh, there's a lot of work that we can do uh, development-wise to get that right. If I think of where I come from in Hammersdale, um, the resources, the facilities we have, um, you know, the equipment we have. And then what I see now, now that I'm an Apple manager um, at UJ, or what I've seen when I, was, I first joined the SPA Proteas, the privileges uh, probably most of the white girls would have, so completely different. And the fact that it is, we can't then expect, you know, most of the black girls that doesn't have these privileges to straight away be in a level where they can be in the national side. It has to start from the bottom for all of that to really be equalised. I think it's going to be so hard anyway because we all not the same, we don't afford the same, um, but we can't just expect it to be like straight away 100% at the top. Eventually, it, it is happening, which is quite good. But there's a lot more that we can do to try and get that right. Bongi Msomi changing the face of netball in South Africa as the country's first black captain. Just don't ask her to sit still or take a break from netball. Just not going to happen.